Boz, always good to see you. But Wes, what's going on, brother? Thanks for joining us today. Oh, of course. I'm pleasure to be here. This is amazing. <laughs> the the pleasure's all on our side. Trust trust me on that one. But uh, give give everybody who's watching or listening a little background. Who are you? Where are you from? You know, how do you earn a living? Oh, <laughs> I still don't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you. <laughs> Figuring that out. But uh, my name is Wes Fyatt, uh, originally from San Luis Obispo, California. Um, grew up there and then we moved up to Gilroy, California, where we're at now in 2013. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in between there. Joined the military, became a firefighter, did some wildland stuff, um, and then got hooked on this CrossFit thing. And it was at my level two with Miranda Oldroyd that I asked her, hey, how do I get one of those red shirts? And the rest is history. So um, turned oh, CrossFit into my- I didn't know that. Yeah, I turned CrossFit into my full-time life at that point. I stopped firefighting. Um, and me and my wife made the leap to just try to do this thing full-time. And it, it worked out. So we're still here. You know, you, you jumped over it a little bit. But when I was, you know, I've known you for years, but I, I haven't snooped on you in the, on, on the interwebs as people do every now and then. So I snooped on you a little bit. And what I... It's called lurking, Pat. Thank you. Arthur. <laughs> research. <laughs> I call it podcast <laughs> research. But what was I saw on your affiliates website that your first CrossFit workout was the Filthy 50s. Who even brought that to your attention? And from what I understand, it, it didn't go well. Yeah, I didn't know how to do double unders. <laughs> so, uh, it was just a classic, you know, we, we were doing CrossFit and I wanted to find the hardest workout I could, right? So you're scrolling through all the workouts and Filthy 50 looks like this on paper, so it must be good, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Long, yeah. Long, crazy, chipping through. And so uh, I did that workout, got to double unders, couldn't do double unders. And so I decided I was going to do that workout every day until I got double unders. And <laughs> I think I did. Oh, wow. Probably made my calves and the bottom of my feet way more sore than necessary and whipped myself 5,000 times. But I got double unders from that workout over the couple of weeks that I did it every single day. <laughs> well, there, so there you go. Podcast over, everybody. If you want a new skill, just do it every day until it, you can't fail. That's exactly that's, that's, what I that's had that's in my the head. Secret. That's exactly because <laughs> well, people were like, double unders took me years. But Wes did it. I'm going to just do it for two weeks and then I'll get it. Yeah. Cured. Well, it's like what we talk about the level ones, like don't go out and just train a bunch of people, right? Like ruin your friends and your family first. I started just <laughs> ruined myself. Then I ruined my friends. Then I ruined my family. And then I got into actually coaching well. So <laughs> Awesome. That's when great. You, you got all the, uh, the, the beginners, uh, you know, kind of gambits out the way uh, yeah, before I, you started working with the public. That's, that's a smart way to do it. Yeah, I've got a couple of good stories about some friends that uh, still don't do CrossFit to this day because of some of the stuff that I took them through. So <laughs> are they, are they still your friends? Yeah, they're still friends, okay, well, but it's just a running joke, you know, like, oh, Wes ruined us with CrossFit. So you got one out of two. You're still friends at least. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, and I've, I've actually got a buddy that I ruined. Um, anyway, he's fine. He's fine. And he, you know, went on to, <laughs> went on to have a long, happy, healthy life, but, uh, <laughs> but he was part of my experimentation. You, what you got out of the military, did some firefighting, you know, went to your level one, decided that not only did you love CrossFit so much, you might want to get on staff. Were you attending the level one just out of a passion and interest to learn more about CrossFit or were you dead set on opening a gym? Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't even want to coach. I just was, it, I'm, I grew up playing team sports and uh, surfing and snowboarding and that kind of stuff. And I hated the gym. I never worked out. Like, oh, really? Even during, yeah. Even during football and baseball, we had weight training. We had to, I would 
find ways to get out of it. I'd go to my coach and ask if I can go watch film because I wanted to see how this offense was lining wow. up or whatever. And, you know, and so I'd go watch film. And the way that I was okay at the sports I played was just natural talent, number one. And then uh, it was my ability to educate myself on what was going on. And mm. I was such a smaller athlete um, that I'd been in a gym. was just not my realm. I mean, everybody's in there putting up two plates and I could, I could barely do 25 on the side and it was just embarrassing. So um, yeah, I stayed out of the gym for a very long time. And then when I found CrossFit um, on my last deployment in the military, it felt like I was playing a sport again. And I just fell in love with it. Not because I was working out because it felt like I was playing a sport again and had something to do and work towards. And um, I, I wanted to learn more about it so that I could be better. I didn't want to coach or anything like that. Cause I, my, my mind was already set on becoming a firefighter when I got out of the military and that was going to be my path. And so it was all for me a hundred percent. But once I took my level one, it was like, okay, well what's next and what's next. And that was obviously the level two, which is when I kind of was like going through it. And on day two, I was like, Hey, is there, how do you guys get those shirts? Like, what is it? You know, how did you get where you are? Because I just want the knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. And even at that point, it wasn't about opening a gym. It was just having that knowledge and that ability to help. And I saw it more in terms of, you know, being a firefighter and being at the fire station and being able to help people there that were working out or, or whatever, or maybe at my home affiliate with Bill Grumler. He was my, he was my original actual, uh, he wasn't my fire captain, but he was actually just down the street from us. He was at the station just down the street. So we would go on mutual aid calls all the time. And then he was obviously my boss at the gym. And so being able to help him out at the gym too, was kind of a driving force for it. But yeah, not a bad mentor at all to have right there. Yeah. So what flipped the switch for you, Wes, where, where, and when did you kind of make the decision that, you know, putting forward this information to other people was going to be more important to you than your own development. Because I know that that, like, I, I can't pretend to know you that well, but I, I've known you for a long time. And I know that in conversation, you know, what's really important to you is influencing the culture of your community, giving back, things like that. So at what point in your progression there did you kind of flip the switch and start looking externally? Um, it was probably the first time that Bill asked me if I wanted to coach. I was terrified of public speaking and I, I still am a pretty big introvert, but it was really weird because I coached my first class and all of a sudden I was, I had all this energy. I was talking to people and I had no problem starting a conversation or continuing the conversation, which is always the awkward part. Right. Um, and it was like, after I coached that first class, I remember like, wow, that was weird. Like I've never been able to carry on a conversation like that with somebody in my entire life. Um, and that really kind of sparked my interest of like, wow, I guess that I can do something like this. Like, cause I just thought it was off the table. Like, Hey, I'm not a good public speaker. I don't mm. want to be around people. I don't like to be the center of attention at all, you know, but it was just different. It was just this passion that was inside of me that I didn't know why or what was going on. It was just like, well, I got to keep doing this because, you know, the second you get somebody to do something that they didn't think they can do, and it was because of something that you said to them, and then they turn around and they give that back. That ah, was because of you. And I'm like, oh, God, it was. Oh, okay, I, I guess. Like, <laughs> sweet. You know, and then you kind of feed off of that, and you want to just continue to make the next person better and the next person better and the next person better. And that's kind of like what, what filled me up and kept me going down that path for sure. So then when did you draw the conclusion that the natural extension of that was, okay, I've started coaching, you know, I kind of got put into this role. It really, it really took more than you thought it would. Where do you start moving towards? I think I want to have my own facility. I think I want to be, you know, the guy in charge. 
Oh, man, I still don't want to be the guy in charge. Let's say that. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, it was actually when me and my wife were having some tough conversations about where we wanted to plant our, our family. And I didn't want to leave San Luis Obispo. I mean, it's, in my opinion, the best city in the entire state of California. It's beautiful um, out there. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, I mean, it's got everything. There's, there's surfing, there's hiking, there's a small community feel, but there's still a nightlife. Anyways, it's just amazing. And so I jokingly told her that the only way I would ever move to Gilroy is if we opened up a CrossFit gym. And I said that <laughs> thinking like Gilroy at that time was this farm town. It wasn't the Silicon Valley hub that it is now. Um, and I was like, nobody's going to do CrossFit and Gilroy, you know, like it's, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep working at Bill's gym, keep being a firefighter, keep doing that. And that's going to be our life, you know? And we, we came up here one weekend just to hang out with some friends and we were, you know, talking about it over some beers. And we mentioned, Hey, uh, Wes said he wouldn't come up here unless we opened up a CrossFit gym. And six months later, us and that other couple opened up the CrossFit gym. <laughs> yeah. So it was, awesome. it was literally just, it was like Meg calling my bluff is what, what made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That and when great. was that? That was uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. And uh, you've been in the same place ever since? Uh, we just moved locations, actually. But uh, two years ago, we came into our second location. But same, same spot in Gilroy, yeah. And so starting a, you know, starting a gym obviously was a huge leap of faith. At that point in time, were you dual-hatted still with a the firefighting on the side and you know, what was the evolution of that? Yeah. So the, the idea was never to give up firefighting. And I was just driving down and doing my shifts about two and a half hour drive. It's not too bad. And it's actually kind of nice with a podcast or a book or on tape or something, you know? And so you drive down there and do your shifts and come back up for, you know, a few days off and work at the gym and then go back down and do it again. And it, it, there was a one specific day where we got a call, and I was in the back and we were going to this one area that's, it's a sketchy reception there. And so the job of, of me in the back is to pull out the maps just in case things go down. I can help navigate where we need to go. And uh, that has never happened. Like it's always been mm. totally fine. And for some reason that day I had my headset on, I'm in the back. I didn't pull out the maps because I was thinking about some other stuff we had to do at the gym up here with some paperwork and taxes or whatever. And my captain just yelled at me. He's like, hey, you know, what are we doing? Where are we going? And that's right there in that moment when I was like, well, I can't do this part time. Mm -hmm. I I, got to figure this out. And it was so I came back home. I talked to my wife, Megan, about it. And I was like, you know, I don't I got to choose like one or the other. And I love them both a lot. And then we kind of sat down and weighed the pros and cons. And we didn't have a mortgage at the time. We didn't have any kids. There was no car payments. There was nothing. And I was still young. You know, I was 25. And it was like let's take a leap of faith. Let's do it. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? It just falls on its face. Like most small businesses do in the first five years, right. we'll go back to working on the old box and <laughs> helping get people up off the ground and taking their blood pressure again, you know, like it'll mm-hmm. be, it'll be fine, but it, it didn't, it took off and it, it's still surviving today, even after a pandemic. So. Yeah. Good the, for you. the pandemic too. I mean, while, while this is still relevant and happening, let's, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on that. So, you know, I'm up here in, Washington State, and we're under some degree of continued lockdown that supposedly is going to end at the end of this month. They're saying like June 30th, there'll be some steps back to normal. So I'm not quite sure what that means. But where you are right now in California, running a business where people want to come in and work out, what is COVID currently doing to affect your business? And then we can touch on, you know, what you had to do to survive the last months or year plus, but what's the current situation in California? 
Uh, well, currently we're open. We're allowed to work out indoors with social distancing protocols intact. Masks have to be worn while we're inside and working out. Temperatures have to be taken at the door. Uh, you know, obviously all the sanitization processes that we're doing after and before every single workout are all still in place. And um, there's actually a running joke at our gym that the gym finally got as clean as Wes wants it to be. It just took a <laughs> pandemic <laughs> for it to happen. So I'm known yeah. as like the, the OCD crazy guy. Like if the, if the dumbbells aren't perfect, perfect like we're, we got an issue. Issue. So, um, yeah, so that's where we're at now. But they said on the 15th, apparently COVID stops and we get to take off the masks. And so uh, we're going to kind of slowly scaffold it down where we'll start by taking off the mask, but keeping the boxes that everybody's kind of in, okay. uh, keep the social distancing kind of stuff going. Um, and then slowly just kind of tear it down from there where we'll get back to normal, I guess, in a couple months, probably. So as we record this, I don't know when it will be posted, but today is the second. So supposedly on the 15th is when that's going to happen. So just a couple weeks. So that's great. I mean, there's light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. It seems very close given how long this has been going on. Mm-hmm. Give me a sense of the darkest times, the worst <sighs> part of the close down, the roughest part of, of trying to survive and and then how did you figure out a way to still bring CrossFit to your members and pay the bills? That's a, uh, I, I didn't figure out a way. My coaches figured out a way. My staff did. My wife did. I mean, the community of members and coaches that we have here is what kept this place alive. Not myself. That's for sure. Um, it was I didn't even have to say anything. They were already working on Zoom classes and this is what we got to do for at-home memberships. Let's rent out the equipment or not rent out, just give out the equipment and how's that going to look and everything. And I turned around, there's spreadsheets that are made and -and so-and-so's already got so-and-so's class. And it's just, yeah, I'm just blessed to have the people that I do on this staff for sure. So um, I'm not going to say that it wasn't, you know, I didn't sit back and just go, okay, well, I'll take a few months off. It wasn't that at all. And in fact, I think all of us as coaches probably worked harder over the last year than we have in the last eight years that we've been open for sure. Um, And, and part of that was just to make sure that the members who did stick with us, that there wasn't a moment in their day where they questioned if they should still be paying that bill. You know what I mean? I wanted them to be like, yeah, it's a no brainer. We're getting more value now than we even were before. So this is great. So yeah, that it, there were definitely some pretty tough times. I mean, I remember I called up Boz at one point during it and I'm like, man, I don't know what to do right now. This is insane. You know? And, called up a couple of other guys I really look up to. And I think like where the, the meat of the down, I guess, you know, when I was in the deepest, mm-hmm. darkest Valley was probably when they told us that we could open and we all got real. Yeah. So we had the original shutdown. Then they told us that we can open and we're all excited. We get everything together. We, me and my wife didn't even like barely sleep to get everything going, got back in the gym, ran two classes and 24 hours later, they shut us down again. Oh, I didn't I think, realize brutal. that. At that moment yeah, is where I, where I just lost it, where I'm like, this is, you know, and obviously there's no, <laughs> no there, somebody's running around with a chicken with their head cut off. Nobody's making, you know, informed decision here and you're putting right. my life in jeopardy. And then you start going through all the stuff of like, you know, why'd you quit firefighting? You could have just been doing that mm-hmm. right now. And, you mm-hmm. know, and all the personal sure. choices that you've made. And every day there's a cancellation request coming in from a member. And every day there's drama with the Black Lives Matter stuff and the George Floyd and then the CrossFit stuff. And then the shutdowns and then the, it was just like nine rounds of a vander holyfield taking me to town mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and, that and was a, it was a rough like, time i, yeah, I want to stop for a second there and, and I, I dig in on something you said there which i think is really interesting you you mentioned that you didn't do it and i i believe half of that i mean I get it that you have a lot of support around you and you've got obviously a lot of great people that are willing to fight the good fight to keep you in the game. 
Um, but kind of two things there. Number one, I don't think that people attract quality folks around them by mistake. I don't think that happens very often. And, and if you do, they, they won't last. You know, if you are not cultivating that type of relationship, people won't stick around. So number one, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how you put that out there. How is it that you attract these people that are so willing to put in the time and then at the same time, um, how do you kind of give them the ownership so that they can make some of these decisions, even without you having to, you know, do it from the top down? Uh, they've already taken action and they feel that they can mm -hmm. do that because it's in the best interest of the organization. Can you shed any light on that? Yeah, to answer your first question, I have no idea why people come here and why they want to work for me. <laughs> like I'm, you know, it still boggles you, you, my mind. <laughs> Wes, I'm telling you now, you, uh, you, like all jokes aside, it's very obvious to me why that is. I mean, you're obviously passionate. You care about the outcome of everybody around you. You know, you're deeply invested in the success of of everybody that steps through the door. All of that stuff, members and and staff. Uh, included. So that is, is no mistake. So let's just get that off the table right now. You don't have to, you can quit denying it. You're a great guy. And it's no question <laughs> of why people choose to stick around. But, but is it something conscious that you do to, uh, you yeah, know, do you allow a special people... screening process? Well, no, no, no. I mean, like the, I, I think this is what something uh, a lot of affiliates struggle with is that they have employees and they fall either on kind of one end of the spectrum. They give them so much direct uh, instruction on what they expect from that employee, that the employee is kind of afraid to step outside of that and suggest new things and, and maybe even help the business in ways that were not really intended. Uh, and yep. then you have the other end where they don't get enough direction and they feel like they, mm -hmm. they don't have any guardrails and they're kind of freewheeling it and then they don't know what their best step is professionally. So it seems like you've got a pretty good sweet spot there. Um, do, is that yeah. something you've actively cultivated? Um, I would like to relate it back to my time in the military and, and being an enlisted military member, you know? And so like being just one of the guys and it, it was always just, you know, who was the hardest worker when, when we were working and that was the guy that you followed. And so I like that idea of like, just, I just lead by example as much as I possibly can. It's, you know, if, as long as I'm doing the things I need, I know I would want them to do. I hope that they're watching and they follow along and do that. But then also, in the onboarding process with any one of our coaches, they go through a pretty extensive internship that we have. And during that internship, I'm, I'm constantly striving to let them know that we are a team and that I am not, I'm not their leader. I am one of them and that we all give each other feedback and we all work to keep this place going. And we all do everything we can to, I mean, if you, if you got to cover a shift, like you should be jumping at the ability to help somebody when they need it most so that they can help you in the future. And, you know, it's, I think it's just having that, like, what I say is not the end. You know, it's not, I, I, sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about, or sometimes I don't know the answer. And one of my other coaches will probably know that. And so I take that back to even like the level one experience, like with you guys, where when you're, you're a red shirt, yes, there is definitely a ladder of, you know, who's in charge and who's the, you know, the lowest on the totem pole, but we all just do what we need to do to get the job done. And mm -hmm. if you see something that needs to get done, you just go do it. And that's part of the process of that internship is constantly striving to, to if they don't have that mindset, give it to them, hopefully, and, and let them mm -hmm. know that this is the way we operate here or to really be looking for that within people. And if I, if I see them walk by something and they look at it and they don't pick it up, I'll, I'll call them on it right then and there. Like, hey, why didn't you pick that thing up? 
And they're like, oh, I, I don't know. And, and then it's just a quick, like, we don't do that here. You know, we, we pick that thing up, we put it back, we do what we're supposed to do, even if we're working or we're not. And so that weeds out people pretty easily that don't want to do that kind of stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's certain favorite behaviors. That not, it's not my job. Oh. <laughs> Have the new yeah, guy do no. it. That's yeah. somebody else's job. No. Yeah, I think, I think certain behaviors are contagious, right? Be a good behavior or bad behavior is contagious. Yeah. And, and if you are creating that environment, that's hopefully helps it in a, in a, in a contagious good way. But I also getting back to what Boz said, I don't think that's enough. And I don't think it happens by accident. And this is probably a topic that is quite fascinating to gym owners all around the world. Who doesn't want an amazing staff? I mean, everything about your gym would be better with a more competent, capable, talented staff. So this, you mentioned that you do have an internship process or program. What does that look like? Did you create it? How long does it last? You know, what, what's the internship all about if somebody was to want to become a trainer at your gym? Yeah. Um, we call it 1296 program and it's something I came up with. Um, and it just takes them slowly through every aspect of coaching the same way we would take somebody slowly through every aspect of the air squat. Like we're not going to, sh- you know, show them all the points of performance and say, okay, go for it. We're going right. to talk about st- stance and setup and then midline, you know, and then hips back and down. Oh no, that wasn't right. So let's stay on this for a while until we can fix it. And we do the same thing with the internship program where we have a very, um, Again, I'm OCD and I like everything to kind of follow a plan. And so we have a plan for every single class that we do. And the structure of the class is always the same, but the warm-ups and the workouts are always different. And so we, the first thing we want to see that they can do is we have a dynamic warm-up we do every day where everybody just gets in a circle and they're all just kind of talking to each other and we move our arms in circles and stuff. And they have to coach that first. And we're looking for very specific things. Like, did you take the time to learn the damn specific or dynamic warm-up? Like, can you do it? Can you stay on pace? Do you understand? It's a very simple thing. You know what I mean? It lasts six minutes. Did you go over? Did you go under? Were you able to keep the conversation going? And we're really just looking for presence and attitude and, and the the buy-in from the coach at that point. And I can usually tell in that first dynamic warm-up, if they're going to make it through the process or not. Oh, mm. interesting. Okay. Mm. Because it's, I mean, I'm sure you guys would agree that the, the intangible stuff is what we're always looking for, right? The ability for somebody to start a conversation with somebody, keep it going, have that amazing energy that people kind of gravitate towards. I mean, everything that you guys have, right? Like I remember coming to San Francisco across the, I don't remember if you know, remember this boss a long time ago and your energy during one of those classes was just absolutely infectious. It was insane. You know, and it was like, I want to, I want to drive. I want to drive up to San Francisco every single day just to have this guy coach me because of that energy. And that's really what you're looking for in that first few hours of them doing that dynamic everything else I can teach them. I can mm. teach them how to see faults, how to correct them, the things to say, where to put your hand, but I can't teach you to care. I can't teach you to really truly invest into people. And, you know, and so that's the first part of it. They go the dynamic and then we have a few hours of them doing the dynamic and then the whiteboard discussion. So are they able to follow instructions on how to say it? Is everybody getting the correct stimulus and understanding of what the workout should entail and how they should be going about it? 
Did they answer questions correctly? All those kinds of things. And then after that, they do the dynamic, the whiteboard, and then the general warm up. Um, before that, we teach them about lesson planning and we teach them about how to create good general warm ups and those types of things. And so we want to see what does their warm up look like? Did they nail it, you know, for the mm-hmm. stimulus for after on the workout? Was it too much for the timeline? All that kind of stuff. How, how was their group management? They put people online, so they go in a circle, you know, all the stuff that we go over at the level one and level two. Um, and then uh, after that, we have a sit down with them where we basically just go over those last few hours that they did of the dynamic, the whiteboard and the general warm up. And we either say, hey, let's go back through a couple of these spots. I think there's some things that we need to work on. Or we say, hey, I don't think this is going to work out. Or we say, hey, it's time to move on to the next phase. And then the next phase is them going into the dynamic, the whiteboard talk, the general warm up, and the specific. But the whole time they have an assistant coach with them helping out and can step in if you know mm-hmm. you get the thirty yard stare and yeah. a little <laughs> bit know, of training you, wheels on the system there. Exactly, and we can step in at any time. Um, that goes for nine hours, and then the last six is really us just kind of like dialing them in. This is where we go over the process of turning on the lights and turning on the music and taking out the trash. And like, I know that I could leave them here by themselves and they would have no problem. And more importantly, I just want them to feel calm. I, at the end of our internships, my, my interns are usually going like, go away. Like I'm, I'm good. Right. Like I got this, you know, like, and that's really what we're after with it. It's also a really great buy-in. Like if I can't get somebody that can give me 27 hours of their time in a, you know, a short period of time, then and they probably aren't going to be able to coach the amount of classes I want anyways. And so it usually filters people out pretty quick when I just lay it out for them. Well, so, I think there's a couple things in there. Number one, you're really setting the groundwork that this is a profession. This isn't something right. that you're just like a hobbyist forever. And then mm-hmm. on the other end of that, you're setting the tone of the culture that's accepted at your gym. It's like we have a high standard for the coach. And yep. anybody who's made it to that position and continues with it is taking it seriously. Like that's what a great yep. message, not only for the rest of the staff who's all on the same page. I think that's huge. And something that a lot of affiliate owners struggle with, right? Is how do I keep all my coaches kind of on the same track uh, and, and, you know, cohesive. And then uh, to the members too. I mean, what a confidence booster that anybody who's in front of them is top notch. And that's awesome. Yeah. And that's ultimate you know, goal. To, to summarize, it's not a darn accident. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's, <laughs> clearly, that's clearly right not right an there. accident. The, yeah. the reason you have capable, competent trainers and staff, you didn't just get lucky as you chatted with yeah. them over Starbucks. And you're like, I got a good vibe. <laughs> I got a good vibe about this guy. I think we should hire him. You know, that's, yeah. and Boz yeah. touched on it as well, I, I believe. But it's just the professionalism of the space, right? We're not a hobbyist, yeah. you know. We're not an enthusiast. This is, this can be a career and, and a profession rewarding for years and years to feed your family, but that's probably not going to just accidentally fall into your lap. You know, it's, it's very rare that you see something great occur, and then when you peel back the layers, you find out it just randomly happened for no reason yeah. whatsoever. You know, <laughs> just it's just... Dumb luck. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like somebody lecturing at the level one or level two, like, you know, or some the more talented speakers on staff, they make it look so easy, but what you don't see is all the work behind the scenes. Like anything which appears effortless usually is not, you know? And yeah. so I think this might've been a good eye opener for a lot of gym owners who potentially are seeking to get where you are or maybe have something in place, but it most likely doesn't have the level of detail and progressions and checks and balances that you just said so that you know that when you got to the end, there wasn't a stone that was left unturned. And then that not only mm-hmm. provides your members with, as Boz said, 
the trainer that they should have and deserve. But like you said, now that that person's got confidence, right? They're like, hey, Wes, you, I got a brother. You, you could take off. The gym's yeah. in good hands. And then you can go yeah. home and sleep well at night. Yep, yep. exactly. Uh, there's been multiple times where uh, I would say years ago, you know, you'd leave the gym and you were so nervous about are the lights going to turn <laughs> off. Is the door, door going to get locked? Is, you know, whatever. And um, I haven't had that in a very long time. That's for sure. So, that's great. I've got something, Boz, unless you have it, I could take it in a direction here. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm ready to change directions a okay, little well, bit, but you, you go. I, I you wanted go. to know, this is playing off a question that Boz and I got from somebody who posted it on a previous episode and on a YouTube comment. So their question was, hey, let's say I'm struggling with a movement, you know, the workout of the day is Elizabeth, and we're, of course, just going to say that Elizabeth is done with squat claims. And so, you know, I'm, my squat clean is a struggle. I'm not good at it. But I'm going to warm up, then I have to hit the workout. It doesn't seem like at, at my gym there's any time for me to actually practice. Now, you just by your own admission said that you're very structured. Everything has a timeline. Yeah. It goes to dit, 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 dit. So when a particular member or something neat, the monkey wrench throws out, you know, comes yep. out, how do you flex? How do you adjust as a trainer? in this situation where, for example, there's a movement in the workout and you've identified out of the 15 people in the class, there's these three that, ooh, I didn't realize there would be a bit more tension needed here than I anticipated. How does that fit in and the class doesn't run over and everyone's needs still get met? Well, I mean, the first part is having a good lesson plan, right? And knowing how to, who is, who's going to be in your class and how to train them. But I think one of the big things that has helped us out a lot is that from the beginning, we've had a gap between our classes on purpose. So oh, nice. okay. for example, mm. you know, the 5.30 a.m. goes until 6.30, but we don't start the next class until 7. And the purpose of that 30 minutes is for the coach to go grab one or two people that have some low-hanging fruit and need some help on something and pull them aside and say, hey, remember that cue I was giving you in class? I know we didn't really get it. It didn't really sink in. You got five minutes. Can I bring you over here? Can we work on it oh, for a second? Oh, that's so cool. And then you work on it, work on it. And, and ideally that person not only leaves with the understanding of what it is that you wanted them to do, but you also gave them some homework to do. And then we talk to our coaches about even after that point, your job as coach now is to put that reminder in your phone next week to check in with that athlete and to see how it's going if they need any more help. And so we've purposefully put in gaps between all of our classes to be able to do that exact thing. That's potentially Man. the best answer that I've heard. Yeah, that's so great. I uh, I love that. And I mean, I just think about, you know, my professional life these days, you know, there's a lot of meetings. Most of those are like on Zoom. Nobody's really excited about that. And oftentimes, yeah, they just get booked mm -hmm. out and you go from one to the next and the mental fatigue of that. And what are we talking about? You're trying to reshift to a different task, having mm -hmm. a little bit of space between that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's got to be great yeah. to kind of recenter. Yeah. Coach, go get some water and have a right. bite of food for a second, you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or like yeah. recheck the lesson plan. Like, you know, I think back when I was doing a lot of work with uh, affiliates and coaching uh, full-time, you know, there was many a time where I would finish a class and I'm like, man, that didn't go the way I wanted it to, but you wouldn't really have time to reflect on that because it's right into the next. So, you know, if something goes off the rails, you've got a little bit of time to look it over again and get back on track yeah. for the next one. That's, that's great. Yeah, well, you know this better than anyone, Boz. My timeline stuff is not very great. So <laughs> having that buffer helps a little bit with that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But you also deliver to your members exactly that, 
that thing that we always talk about in every episode of of caring or feeling special or that every member should leave the class feeling no no member should let me say it this way no member should leave the class feeling like i didn't get any attention today nobody said anything yep. to me today i didn't yeah. i didn't leave with really it's like i wasn't there and so now what a great just safety net and and takes the pressure off the coach in case there is just that thing that like i would wish i had 10 more minutes with this person well guess what yeah. You do. Yeah, you do. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly. and that's going to make that client feel like a million bucks, and that client's going to go yeah, share that experience with somebody mm-hmm. else, and they're going to be like, "Well, that 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 doesn't happen where I am." It's like, "Well, hey, yeah. come on over, you know, come well, on yeah. over." The so let, let me play let me play the devil's advocate a little bit to that because oh, I yeah. can hear the I can hear the chorus in the background right now saying, well, if I do that, I don't have enough classes on the schedule and then my revenue is going to be impacted. And, right. You know, you can come up with all these immediate excuses not to employ something like that. So how did you kind of offset the fact that that might reduce the total number of classes you could put on the schedule because you have to allocate more time between them? Uh, it starts with not being a good business person. That's number one, I think. Is that uh, every decision that I've ever made has been surrounded by the community. Is it going to make the community stronger or is it going to make the community weaker? And that's an easy, you know, yes or no. Is it going to make it stronger or weaker? And then number two is like, am I really truly making this gym a professional gym? And that's like, I, um, I get asked the question a lot from people, you know, what makes your gym different than the gym down the road or what, you know, the other gym. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's professionalism of the coach. It's making sure that the coach feels like they have the autonomy to be able to be a professional, right. To bring their own personal experiences to the plate. And then that they have that time to work with people and to make them better. And you know how it is. I mean, that was like what got me engaged was, was helping that person get their first muscle up or helping that person get their first squat clean or whatever it is and seeing them light up. I mean, what are they going to do the second they leave the gym? <laughs> they're going to go tell all of their friends about it mm-hmm. and they're not going to start stop talking about it. And so I guess in the back of my head, my business mind was saying, well, our goal is to just take care of our members as best as we possibly can. I don't worry about getting new members. I assume that my members will help make that happen as long as I invest into them and I care about them. And so far that business strategy has worked out really well for us. And so um, I would say that if somebody is saying that, you know, I won't have enough class or whatever, I would say, well, are you happy with what your gym is now? Are you happy with the amount of members you have and the way you're able to do it? And if not, it's your business. Like you get to do what you want with it. Nobody else tells you what to do with that. The mm-hmm. best thing about owning a CrossFit gym is that you can yeah. literally do whatever you want as long as you're sticking to the methodology and what it is we know that works, right? And constantly varied functional movements, execute at high intensity, give people high fives, tell them you love them, check in on them when they don't show up every week. Like, yeah. simple. Man, you know? Wes, that last like two minutes there, that, I mean, you chop that and put that out there, that is like success 101. Yep. That, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> And again, I don't know if it's the way to do it business-wise. And I had this conversation with somebody just last week where we were talking about all the COVID stuff and our, our county now wants us to, you know, ask all of our coaches if they've been vaccinated. We have to send in this form saying yes or no. And that was a real moral struggle. Like, who am mm-hmm. I to ask somebody if they have sure. or they haven't been? That's their prerogative. And, you know, and my wife was saying kind of like, <laughs> there goes one of my coaches right now. Um, my wife was saying, you know, well, what would have, what business-wise, what would be the best thing to do? You know, and I, I hate it when people say that to me because I don't own a business. 
that's the way I look. I don't own a business. I have a space where people come in to have the best hour of their day. And that's it. That's what I have. And every decision that I make, I want that to be with them in mind and with my coaches in mind. And so I just want to make sure that this space that we have here is a place where people feel safe. They can't imagine being anywhere else and they can't wait to get here, you know, and that's it. And every decision that I make is just based off of that. And so, man, yeah, that's so, I don't, I don't, so I don't know if I don't know if that will in the long term be a smart business decision as far as money goes mm-hmm. and, and, you know, me being able to drive a Range Rover or give my coaches a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> a year or whatever, but I'm happy with my life. And, um, yeah, I've got some ideas to help the coaches out too in the future. So hopefully Man, we can give is... them, a, I, I, I want to give them a hundred thousand dollars a year and I'm happy with the way my life is right now. So I'll tell Man, you that's, what, that's some powerful stuff. I, uh, I love it, Wes. I think that's, um, I, 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 on the other end of that, I just really feel like it's so insidious to start viewing the world through the lens of bottom line only. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how can I maximize my, you know, return on this particular investment or whatever it is. And, and, uh, I think a certain level of that pragmatism is necessary. I mean, you have to keep the lights on, you got to pay your coaches, Mm -hmm. but if that's the primary lens that you've shifted over into making the decisions, I think that's a tough road to go down. And I don't think it ends up the way that most people think it will. So Mm -hmm. I, I love everything you just said there. That's, I, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Right. I mean, cause that's, that's, the goal, right? I mean, is is if you're making most decisions based upon what's best for the member, then ideally that keeps the members showing up, it keeps them happy, it keeps them talking about it, it, keeps your classes full, which therefore helps your revenue, which therefore helps keep your lights on, which pays your trainer. And hopefully that's the wonderful circle that goes round and round. There were so many just nuggets of wisdom there. We could We could end the podcast there, but we're not going to. We'd be remiss because... There's one topic that I can't let you off the hook with before we chat about it a bit. And that's you had such an incredible opportunity. You've done so much coaching at your affiliate. Then you've had the experience of running seminars for CrossFit around the world, which is a whole nother level of interaction and experience and lessons learned. But then you had yet another, which is there was a special program to serve a segment of the population that potentially didn't get the love and attention that they deserve from the health and fitness industry that emerged at CrossFit a couple years ago, and, and you had a lot of time invested in that. What was that program all about, and how long were you a part of it? Oh, that was, yeah, uh, last two years, and it was CrossFit health basically. So uh, Rory McKernan and uh, uh, one of the trainers that was at CrossFit HQ is what it was known as back then. Jenny were the ones who actually started it. So they are owed all of the credit for getting that thing going. And they basically just put out a little thing on some local Facebook pages in Scotts Valley and said, I think Rory's tagline was, if you are the last person on earth to step foot into a CrossFit gym, we want you. And it's 100% free. Come on down. And we had 400 pound people showing up. We had 80 and 90 year olds showing up. We had people with underlying chronic, you know, health issues showing up. Uh, it, it ran the entire gamut and we got it up to the point where it was over 200 people that are coming in out of those doors every single day or, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, obviously COVID took a real big hit on that because that population mm-hmm. was really affected when it comes to COVID and they're really nervous about being around people and sure. that kind of stuff with a lot of the chronic illnesses that they had. But, um, 
that was, I mean, professionally, probably the best thing I've ever done in my entire life, for sure. I, I can believe that. And, and as an outsider looking in, I have to say that I think CrossFit as an organization currently is doing a very nice job, like when I look at social media or Instagram, of having a wide range of people. It's not just somebody with, you know, eight pack abdominals with 400 pounds locked out over the head. Like you, you're getting a really good sense of basically what you just said. I see a lot of people now on social media that look like the last person that would want, want to walk into a gym because it's scary or intimidating. And that's yeah. not what social media looked like three or five years ago. You know, it was yeah, just the ripped, the ripped bodies, the booty shorts, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And so when you have your trainer you're going to get involved in this program and now you've got these people walking in north of 80 years old um mm -hmm. who who knows the last time they either went from a seated to a standing position on their own or were on the ground or somebody walks in over 400 pounds or on a list of medications that you've never heard of what a terror i mean it can be terrifying for a new trainer if somebody who's 35, relatively thin, walks in and goes, ah, I hurt my knee skiing. What should I do for today's workout? They're like, oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> Let alone, you know, diabetes, heart disease, transplants. Well, you know, how, what was the learning curve like? Was it OJT or were you somehow prepared for this? Um, well, luckily I had on the job training with being on the level one staff for such a long time and, you know, meeting thousands and thousands of people that all have different ranges of health issues or, or whatever it may be. So, I mean, the lunchtime workouts just before lunchtime at the level ones, we're doing that. We're running around and, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, you do this and you do that. And Oh yeah, your knee. Okay. Let's do this instead. Let's do that. And so that was my on the job training leading up to that point. And I think that that was one of the big reasons why Michelle Moots chose me to, to come in and be one of the trainers there was because of that experience. So I owe everything that for that to the level one staff and really to Miranda for sticking up for me after my first internship and saying, no, 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 keep them going. Cause Give it was a chance. A, it was, Give this guy a chance. <laughs> it was a disaster for sure. Um, <laughs> So for me, it wasn't, but we definitely did bring on a few other coaches that weren't part of the level one staff and it was on the job training for them for sure. And you could see that kind of like wide eyed, like, oh my God, what do I do with this person? And when you just take a step back for a second and take a breath and then think about what it is that they need to do. And just like, you know, what Boz or any of you guys were able to do with like the kipping pull up we can break this down into its parts and just work on single parts of it. And there's always a way to modify it. You know, the, the, the needs of our Olympic athletes and our grandparents vary by degree and not kind. Right. And that is so, so true. It is insane yeah. mm -hmm. how true that is, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was, it was easier for me for sure. Cause I was able to just see like, okay, well, what can you do? Let's do that. That sounds great. You know? And then really it's just motivation for them. You're constantly like, I think I heard Ben Bergeron say it one time that you want to deposit in people's emotional bank accounts. And that's mm. what it is for that group of people. You're just constantly depositing into their emotional bank account. Like, wow, great job staying back on your heels. Even if they aren't, they're trying to, you know what I mean? Like right. great job yeah. trying to push your knees out. Like, Hey, good job showing up today. Like great job, like whatever. And it's just constant positive feedback. And you're just trying to create this environment that like, just like here at our gym, that, you know, they just can't wait to get there because everybody's so positive and so loving and so caring that it, it's not about the workout. It's about the people that are there. Yeah. And that's what keeps them coming and coming and coming. Two things that really struck me about that program on a personal level, I didn't have a lot of contact with it other than 
when I was living in California and working at that office, I would pass through there. I was familiar with a lot of the regulars and obviously the coaching staff, but I didn't have a lot of touchstones with it on a day-to-day level. Um, but there's kind of two things that really stuck out to me. The, the first was that it really highlighted to me that it is possible to learn new things and change at any stage of life. I think that's a, a lesson that is easy to forget and, uh, you know, sometimes is overlooked. So that was huge just for me. And then the second thing was uh, you guys had a goals and accomplishments yeah. board that was up on the side there and, and members could come in and write their, you know, their goals or things that they could do that they couldn't do previously. And I remember one that stood out to me the most was, I'm sure you got dozens of these, um, but it was a, I think it was a couple and they were considering, older couple, they were considering selling their house because they could no longer get to the second story and that had been reversed. Now they could go up and down the stairs, no big deal. Turns out we don't have to move. And that, I mean, that just blew me away. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that is, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I, <laughs> I, it's giving me chills right now just thinking about that, like the power of influence that you have to be able to give somebody that back in their life. I mean, that, that, that's enormous, you know? Yeah. John mentioned that every day when he would show up, Hey, I got up and down the stairs today again. It was awesome. Thank you. You know, go to work out. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing stuff. Like we're running a health class here too. Um, It kind of broke off when we stopped that program and tried to implement it into a few local gyms to see how, how would it fare within the regular Mm. affiliate community? Could we teach coaches how to do this? And could we get those people to show up knowing now, number one, they have to pay for it. And number two, they're going to be Mm. going to a gym where there's a, a lot of other classes going on and other types of people. So does that, I guess, environment, um, bode well for those people to be in. And and so far it's been the three gyms that we've implemented it in. It's been thriving. It's been doing really well. So hopefully we can keep it going. Would you have any, any advice to a trainer, maybe hearing this for the first time, excited about helping this segment of population regain functionality and, and do all this literally life changing endeavors but they've never had any exposure to that segment of the population. And it doesn't seem like there's a good manual that they can just pick up and learn from a book as to how, what happens when, you know, the diabetic client rolls in, the 81-year-old client, etc. Any lessons learned from your time in the trenches there or, or pearls of wisdom to people who might be interested in starting to cater to that, that segment of society? Yeah, for sure. Um, Austin Begeeming used to say in one of his lectures, it was really amazing, uh, and it was kind of like a, a way to talk about intensity and how it should be dosed. And he's like, you got a can of tuna, you're going to put some mayonnaise in that tuna. If you put too much mayonnaise in the tuna, you can't take it out, right? You're done. So you just put a little bit of time and you mix it up. A little bit of time, you mix it up until it's money and it's where you want it to be. And I would say that's the same thing with any brand new person that walks into your gym. I tell them every day, like for that first few months, like, hey, I want you to leave here every day going, that's it? There's mm-hmm. not more? Mm-hmm. And to leave going, I could have done way more. Why won't he let me do more? And slowly layer that on. Think about the movements that those people need to do in order to have functional and independent living. They got to sit down. They got to get back up. They need to pick things up off the ground and put them over their head. And if they fall down, can they get up off the ground? If you can get them to do those basic things with you in a very uh, safe and fun environment, right? that's all that matters. And so that's like your starting point. And can they get up if they fall? I mean, I would say 70% of the calls that we would go on as as firefighters were lift assist, right? Because somebody Mm -hmm. had fallen down and couldn't get back up. 
And that was it. They literally just needed somebody to come over and help them. We go over there, put Bob back on the couch and Bob, you know, Hey Bob, do you want to go to the hospital? No. Okay. Please sign this right here. So you don't want to go to the hospital. Okay. I'll see you in a couple of days because I'm probably going to come back and have to pick you back up again. And so I think about that with every single time that we're in the health classes is like, that's the, you tell a 70, 80, 90 year old to do a burpee. Right. And then you show them what a burpee is. And especially the baby boomer uh, population, <laughs> they give you a big middle finger and turn around and walk away and say, there's no way, son. Like, you know, you don't understand how many surgeries and things I've been through and blah, blah, blah. And so you got to start slow and, and, and work your way up, but make sure that you're giving them the, the tools that they need to live an independent life, which is, can, can they sit down and get back up? Can they pick things up off the ground and put them over their head? And if they fall down, have you taught them how to get themselves back up? Yeah, and you'll hear some crazy stories, you know, and I had some limited exposure to that population as well. And if you ask somebody, hey, when's the last time you were down on the floor voluntarily and got back up? And they're like, oh, in the mid-90s. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow, like that's okay. You know, but it's but it's amazing, like you said, incrementally with some care and some common, steps, uh, common sense and some baby steps, just how far you can actually... Yeah make it into progress and suddenly this person maybe with a a hand on a box like a slight assist they get down into a lunge position then one hand goes on the ground and then they get onto the all prone then they slowly get back up and then yep. you know you check back in two months later and the box is gone you know and like you know, they're getting yeah. up and down on their what what seemed to be literally impossible or science fiction months before mm-hmm. if they stick with it and they've got a trainer that cares you can you know you don't want to be uh, exaggerate things, but to some degree, you're saving their life. I mean, because if they, if they become more durable in a fall, if they stop shuffling their feet when they walk, you yeah. are, you're doing more good for that person than putting somebody's 470 pound deadlift to 485 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. you are, you are yep. impacting their life in a way that's tough to almost put into words. So I would wholeheartedly encourage anybody listening to this who's on the fence. I think it might be some of the most challenging, but some of the most rewarding training that you can do. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that if you do decide to start something like this, like be ready for the first couple of months to be a lot of, you know, side looks and you want me to do what? And this stuff isn't working and everything, but don't worry, there'll, there'll be a day where they walk in and they go, hey, you know what? Yesterday I was able to do X, Y, and Z, and I haven't been able to do that in 20 years. Thank you. And it'll happen. And right there and then, boom, you're, you're hooked. And you don't want to yeah. do anything else. Well, Wes, if you would, why don't you let people know how can they get a hold of you? You know, what's your gym's website? What are you on Instagram in case somebody has a question or, you know, just whatever? Yeah. yeah uh, if anybody wants to talk about anything we talked about on this website or on this podcast, as far as, you know, the coaches development stuff we do here, the health class, level one staff, any of that, please just email me, Wes at coastrangecrossfit.com. Um, Instagram is West 20 or West Pyatt 2013. And we have also Coast Range CrossFit on Instagram too. So send me a message anywhere and I'm, I'm available for you anytime. Thanks, man. man. We, we appreciate your time. You're oh the man, gosh. Wes. Thank you yeah, so much. Uh, yeah, it's a, my pleasure. You guys are legends. And so just being asked to do this was, uh, was an honor. So thank you guys.